Okay, last week uh, we mentioned how from time to time we want to take a few minutes uh, before we start our worship service to quiet our hearts and just ask the Spirit of God to search our heart and to see if there be, you know, any unclean way in us, any way that's been, you know, going away from God. And if we truly want to worship God in our worship services, we, we really need to lay at His feet our failures and our offenses and our sins that we have committed against Him. Um, as it says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and He's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so that's what we're going to do right now. Um, as the music is just playing quietly, I'm just going to ask us to just quiet our hearts, to set aside the distractions of this world And I want us to just allow the Spirit of God to point out anything in our lives that needs to be addressed. And when we bring these things to our mind, just confess them to Him and just say, God, you're right, I'm wrong. I've sinned against you. And uh, receive that forgiveness. Stop carrying those burdens anymore. You know, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I'll give you rest. And so let's go to Him for that rest. And so let's take these few moments and then you know as we're quietly thinking about the Lord we're just going to move right into communion and celebrate the Lord in communion Uh, Jesus we we remember right now we remember the pain and the torture and the, the rejection that you faced on our behalf We remember that you were nailed to that cross and you shed your blood for us. And God, we stand here grateful and thankful for that incredible, incredible sacrifice you made on our behalf. Thank you, Father, for loving us so much that even though we were still sinners, you sent your Son. That's incredible love. And we just remember right now. Jesus, thank you for every person in this room. Thank you for this time that we have every Sunday to gather together, to be a family together, to worship you together, to sing praises to you together. So we commit this time into your hands, and may you get all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise, because, God, you are worthy of everything. In Jesus' name, amen. You can pass your cups to the center of the aisle and the ushers will pick them up for you. You're done. Thank you so much, bud. Alrighty. Well, guys, last week, well, actually, several weeks ago, we started a, a brand new series talking about worship. And we've been, you know, taking time to discuss the big, huge, broad topic of worship. And then last week I talked to you how we're going to actually take some time to kind of um, narrow down our focus, to zero in on just a single component of of worship. And um, so we're going to continue doing that. Last week we uh, (coughs) took some time to interview uh, the illustrious Reverend Kirk Hansen, um, who (laughs) happens to be our worship pastor. And... uh, Uh, We just took some time for him to just listen to him explain to us why we even do Sunday mornings. Why why do we have worship services here every Sunday? And if you weren't here, I'd encourage you to make sure you listen to it because I think Kirk gave us some pretty awesome insight into what's happening here on Sunday mornings. 
Um, one of the, the main things that he said that really stuck out to me was that on Sunday mornings, you know, we're in a sense, once again, reorienting our minds to thinking great thoughts about God. In a sense, we're practicing each week to train our minds to keep thinking about God. It's kind of like a discipline that we do. You know, in each of our weeks, you know, from Sunday, Monday to Saturday, there are a thousand distractions in this world that keep our minds off of God. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? I mean, it happens all the time. And so we gather each week to make sure that we bring our minds back once again to think and meditate and ponder how great our God is. And we do it through Scripture, and we, we do it through song, and we, we do it through fellowship with one another. Praising God, when you really think about it, is for our benefit. You know, God doesn't need our praises. You know, he, he doesn't need it. He is perfectly, you know, fine without it. But when we praise our God, there's something that happens within us. It's, it's for our own good, and it reorients our mind. So it is important that we do this each week with each other to keep our minds fresh on our great God. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, this week we're going to be basically talking about different postures of praise. Part of our worship service um, here on Sunday mornings involves singing praises to our God. Now, like Kirk told us last week, we don't, we don't have to be singing to be worshiping. Um, Thank goodness, because a lot of us, you know, we don't sing that well. So singing might not be an area where we can really worship God in. But um, there's also the flip side to that. There's, you know, we could be singing and still not worshiping. You know, and I, I think that happens a, a lot. We, we could come every Sunday here and we could sing through all the worship songs that we have and not worship God one bit. And I'd be willing to bet that that happens all the time. And, and that, that's highly possible. But obviously, we don't want that to be the case. So we want to take some time to address um, the singing praises aspect of our worship service. And part of that is addressing our postures while we praise. Now, to begin with, I, I personally think that this is one of the most important postures of praise. And that obviously, you know, is to just simply be here. To be at church on Sundays. You know, I think we have a thousand things that we could be involved with and we can be running all over, you know, and, and we could just avoid church and say, forget it, you know, I'll worship God in my tree stand. But I think it's important that we're here together on a regular basis developing a muscle memory, if you want, that we, are need, we need to be getting together to worship God on a regular basis. Not only that, when we are here, and I do not want to step on anybody's toes with this because, trust me, I understand. I, if I wasn't the pastor, I'd be the first one that would be breaking this. But I understand how life is so chaotic so much of the time and getting kids ready, especially in winter, and then getting them out the door and into their classrooms. I get it. It's a wonder we're even here on Sundays. But having said that, I think one of the greatest postures of praise to begin with is to simply be present. To be here in the sanctuary, ready to praise our King, ready to worship Him. I think sometimes we treat Sunday mornings like it's a football game, a high school football game, where, where you know, we may be hanging out with our friends and talking, and we hear the national anthem starting to play, and we're like, ooh, I better get in there. The game's about ready to start. And, and that's what we do here so often. We, we hear the worship team start singing up here, and so we're out in the halls, and we're talking, and we're hanging out with friends, which is great. Don't get me wrong. 
But when we hear the music, we say, oh, the music is playing. We need to, we need to get in there. It's like a cue for us to move into the sanctuary. And we're kind of like, honey, it's the third song. We better get in there, you know? And, and so what I, I want to encourage us is that, guys, let's try to change our thinking on that. Because the worship team isn't up here just singing songs for the fun of it, just to say, hey, let's let these guys know that they need to come in here. No, they are leading us in praise to an almighty God who deserves our entire attention. And most of all, he deserves for us to be present while we praise him. So really, the first posture of praise is to be present. And when I say present, I mean both physically and mentally. Because we could literally be in this room and yet a million miles away. So let's try as a church to step into this room ready to be present, both physically and mentally, while we praise our great God. And guys, this is going to take practice, this is going to take discipline, but I think we can do it. We can show up with a mindset ready to, to kind of say, you know, I am going to sing praises to my King and my Savior, my Lord and my God, and I'm going to give Him my all when I do because He is worthy of it. I'm going to join my brothers and my sisters and I'm going to sing my heart out to Him and I'm going to worship Him. And that should be our attitude when we step into this room every Sunday. Amen? Amen. Okay, second posture of praise. And here's where we get a little weird. Second posture of praise is the raising of hands. Okay? Now I know as I say that, some of you are like, oh, brother, what's this? Trust me, I understand that thinking. I grew up in a culture where the raising of hands was just not something you did. I mean, it was as conservative as you can get. In fact, when we were at, you know, when we would go to church on Sundays and if somebody dared raise their hand, we'd be in the back going, we're supposed to be singing, but we're watching this hand raiser there in the far left row. And then we'd talk about him at lunch. We'd be like, did you see Johnny? He raised his hand. When he's just like, hey guys, look at me. He's trying to draw attention to himself. And we, we just looked down on that. I remember when I first came to this church, way back in 1995, there was one woman who raised her hand. Every church service, she would raise her hand. And I would sit way back in the back row. I was one of you backseat Baptists, like you guys back there. And I'd sit there, and this woman would be raising her hand. I'd be like, to Sean, I'd be like, there she goes again. She just wants everybody to look at her. And I would judge her, and I just, you know, I didn't like it. You know, guys, my attitude has changed pretty dramatically on that because I've come to realize that postures of praise are important to bringing our mind to where it needs to be in worship. And you know what? The Bible really backs up that premise. In the Bible, we see many verses describing different postures of praise. And we're going to work through several of them today and several more next week. Um, and the crazy thing about these postures is that we miss them. We, we don't catch it. And primarily, it's because of our English translations. Um, most of the, the postures that we're going to talk about, they get lost in our English translations. Let me explain that if I could. In the Hebrew language, there are several words that describe praise that when translated into English, it just comes out praise. Okay? But in the Hebrew language, the words richly describe how the praise is to be acted out. Okay? For instance, let me show you this verse in Psalms. Psalm 67, it says, Let the people praise thee, 
Oh God, let the people praise thee. So when we read that, what are, we, what are the people supposed to do? Praise him. Okay, pretty simple. That's what we think. But in the Hebrew language, the word for praise right there is the word yada. Okay, everybody say that out loud. Yada. Okay, now yada means to literally hold out the hand, to revere and worship with extended hands, or to throw a stone at or away. So when you're throwing a stone, you're extending that hand. The Hebrew people worshipped God by the raising of their hands towards Him. It was a physical act of praise, a posture of praise. Now, before you get all bent out of shape by that, the reality is, is we know exactly what that means. We just don't grasp it in this context, okay? But why, so let me tell you, can you think of a place where we as people raise our hands in praise over something or someone? Think long and hard. Where do you think that happens? In sports, okay? At a football game. Exactly. Football game is a number one place where we're raising our hands and we're shouting. In fact, my son, right here in the front row here, he was the middle linebacker for Conomwalk High School. We were playing McGuanago. That's right. <laughs> We were playing McGuanago at the time, and McGuanago had the ball. The guy, the quarterback, threw it, and my son, he made the interception. Guess what I did when that happened? Man, I was up in those stands like, oh, yeah! You know, I was waving my hands. I was so excited. And let me tell you something. It would have been weird if I hadn't have done that. If he would have made that interception, I'd just been like, mm-hmm. It's good. No. That would people have thought, man, what's your problem, Luke? No, it was part of it was to be expected to, to raise my hand in praise like that. Guys, the raising of hand is a posture of praise. And let me tell you, Whitestone, if there ever was someone who deserves the raising of our hands to, it is God. Amen? Amen. If there ever was someone to celebrate, it's God. So the raising of hands in our sanctuary while worshiping our God is something that should be common. Not to draw attentions to ourselves. We're not up here like, hey guys, look at me. I'm raising my hands. Yep, that's right. I do it best. I even hold my fingers out, extend them fully. No. We do it to praise God. When you, think about this, when you raise your hand it causes your mind to focus on the reality as to why you're doing it. And your mind engages more with the singing of praises when you do it. It's hard to raise your hand while you're singing and not be focused on what you're singing about. The body helps you keep your mind focused. Okay? All right. Everybody stand up. Worship team, you can come up here. All right, everybody raise your right hand. Wave it around real good. Stretch it out. Raise up the other hand here. Both hands up. Wave them around. You guys right now are yadine. Okay? All right? So you can put your hands down. So Kirk and I thought we would take time in each posture to practice it. Remember, Sunday morning is about practice. We're going to be singing a song here in a few minutes, and I just want you to think about how awesome our God is. Okay? And when we sing this song, when a certain phrase hits you, you know how great he is, just raise your hand to praise him. Okay? Don't worry about anyone around you. Don't worry about what they're thinking. You just praise him. Okay? Now, 
If you're like, oh, Luke, I just never raise my hand, you know, then, you know, put it in your pockets and just kind of raise your pants up or something. <laughs> just, just do this, okay? Okay? Just whatever. Get out of your comfort zone. And I, I know this may seem a bit contrived, like, oh, Luke's forcing us to do this. I'm not forcing you to do it. You don't have to do it if you don't want to. But what I am asking you is to reorient your mind to think about God. And when you think about God, if you want to, raise your hand to him and yada him. Praise him. Okay? We up for that? All right, let's do it. All right, you can be seated. How'd they do, Kirk? I was standing in front row with my back to him. They did okay? All right. All right, how'd that feel, guys? All right, some of you guys are really freaked out right now. I understand that. You're like, I have never raised my hand in church ever before in my life, and Luke just made me. Yeah, there's one right there. Yeah, I'm going to another church. This is freaking me out. I get it. Yeah. But you know, that's, it's good for us to be stepped out of our comfort zones and, and pushed in, in some of these things. And guys, listen to me. If we can do this at football games for humans, we can certainly do it for our God. Amen? All right. Well, we're going to be looking at another posture of praise right now, and this one is called a shout of praise, okay? Once again, this is a Hebrew form of praise, and in our English Bibles, it is most of the time, you know, translated just at, kind of unplugged there. No, I don't need it. I think I'm good. Um, but in our English Bibles, it'll be translated as, as praise, but in the Hebrew text, it takes on a different form of praise, a different posture of praise. Let me show you. Psalm 145. It says, One generation shall praise thy works to another, and shall declare thy mighty acts. So for us, it's pretty simple. I mean, we read that. You know, we're just supposed to, one generation is supposed to praise thy works to another. But the Hebrew word for praise right there is, let me show you, it is to shabak. Everybody say that out loud. Shabak. Isn't the Hebrew, that's like a sweet word, shabak. Okay. To, and to shabak is to address in a loud tone to shout, to loudly give adoration. You know, in Scripture, over and over again, we are told to shout, to be loud. One generation shall shout thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. I'm just going to read through a bunch here. Psalm 63, because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall shabak you. But let all those who rejoice, who put their trust in you, let them ever shabak for joy because you defend them. Psalm 32, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shabak for joy, all you upright in heart. Psalm 17, oh, clap your hands, all you people, shabak to God with the voice of triumph. Now, I know that seems kind of weird. I mean, to shout praises to God, that sounds kind of, it almost sounds almost goofy. I mean, what if, I, what if I were to stand up here and I were to shout praises to God here on the stage? I just didn't care what you guys thought about me. I was just going to shout praises to God. Maybe not all, but many of you would think, Luke's lost his mind. He's just being weird. And yet, you know what, guys? I can go to a football game and I can scream my head off and people actually like it. They think it's cool. I mean, it's just part of the terrain. And, and often, you know what, it's funny, when you think about it, when you're at a, you're at a football 
game and your team scores a touchdown, what is it that we will stand up and shout? I mean, we may, we may say, yeah, awesome, whatever, but what are we shouting? What have they just done? Let's go to touchdown. So we will stand up usually and repeat what they've just done, but we'll shout a touchdown! Woo! And we just go crazy. And we shout it out. You know, I, I grew up in South America, and uh, down there, everything was soccer. You know, it was football. And uh, down there in the radios, they would uh, do announcing the, the soccer games. And let me tell you, these suckers, they're the fastest talkers I've ever heard in my life. They're just like, and they'd be like, and that's what they did every time. And everybody would be like, ah, you know, you just go crazy. All right? Well, work with me here. But what if while we were singing, let's say about Jesus raising from the dead, think how awesome that is, that we're thinking about how awesome that is, and we just out of praise shout out, resurrection! Or let's say during communion, this would really freak people out, but we're thinking about how Jesus' blood has bought us from the kingdom of darkness and ransomed us, and we go, redemption! Way to go, Jesus! Satan, you're going down! Woo! Now, I know that goes against our norm because we aren't used to that in church. Football games, yeah, but not in church. Church is just same old, same old. Church is supposed to be boring. There's nothing to get excited at at a church worship service, right? Very good. You're the first service that's done that. <laughs> we'll see how third does, but so far, first service has got it won right now, all right? But Whitestone, what if there was something to get excited about during a worship service? What if the God we worshiped truly was worthy of our shouting praises to him from time to time? What if that was the case? And Whitestone, I truly do believe it is the case then we should celebrate it loudly like any good Packer fan would do at a Packer game. Only this is way more important. This is church. This is praising our God. This is praising our unseen God, our good God, our kind God, our gentle God, our awesome God. And I could go on and on about our God, but the truth remains that our God is amazing. Amen? You know, right right there, for example, that's a great example. I just said amen, and you went, amen! Woo! That's a Shabbat. You are declaring something out loud and giving praise and glory to God. You know, my, my, my wife, her grandpa, Johnny Katabjan, little short Armenian dude, built like a brick. He looked like a 55 gallon barrel with a little paint can on top. He was just built. But he had this deep baritone voice. And he was part of a quartet, and he sang the bass, and he just talked like that. 
And at church, he would sit, you know, where, where you guys are at, and he wouldn't wait for the pastor to prompt him in saying amen. He'd just belt it out. But it wasn't like, hey, amen. It was, amen. And people would wake up, and people would look all around, and, you know, the pastor would lose his place in the notes, and it was just hilarious. But that Shabbat, it's declaring loudly praises to God. All right, everybody stand up. And the worship team is going to lead us in a song again, and this song is one of my favorites because this song talks about Jesus' resurrection. And during this song, while thinking about our God and what He did for you, if you want to shout out praise to God, then by all means do so. Don't worry about the person next to you. Don't worry about the person in front of you or behind you. You just shabak your praise to Him because He's worthy of it. Everybody ready for this? All right. Let's do it. All right. You can be seated. How was that? Okay. Let me... I didn't talk about this in first and second, but try this on for size. How many of you wanted to shout, but you're a little scared about what people would think of you? Yeah, that was me. Second service, I wanted to shout at the top of my lungs that Jesus is alive, but I'm like, oh, what are they going to think about the pastor shouting that out and whatever and everything? And so I kind of did a, Jesus, you're alive, whatever. That's most of our problem. We're thinking about us. We're not thinking about Jesus. We're not thinking about God. You know, when we're at a concert service, and sorry I'm kind of going off here, when we go to a concert and the band comes on to the stage, what do we do? Oh, my land. It is a roar. It is just a roar as people cheer. Well, what we need to picture is that on a Sunday, Jesus takes center stage. And there needs to be a holy roar in our midst as we worship him for that. Okay, we're going to do one more. And if you thought that was crazy, <laughs> we're going to get really crazy here. But first I'm going to show you a verse with it in there, and we're going to talk about it. Psalm 117, this is the chapter. It says this, Oh, praise the Lord, all ye nations. Praise him, all ye people. For his merciful kindness is great towards us, and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. Sometimes I think that Baptists were the ones who did the translations for, for this because that sounds, you know, I could probably do that. Praise the Lord. Seems pretty innocuous. We're supposed to praise the Lord. Nations, people, everybody, we're supposed to praise the Lord. Why? Because His merciful kindness is great towards us and the truth of the Lord endures forever. That's why we should praise Him. And that seems simple. Praise Yeah, sure, I'll do that. But let's see what the Hebrew language conveys to us. In this verse, we're going to learn another posture of praise as well as review one we've already covered. And here we go. Oh, praise halal the Lord. Let's all say halal. halal. Halal the Lord. All ye nations praise Shabbat him. We know what that is. All ye people, for his merciful kindness is great towards us, and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise halal ye the Lord. So what does halal mean? Let me show you. Halal means to make a show, to be clamorously foolish, to rave, to celebrate. 
Now, I want you just to study that definition and think about that for a second. And think long and hard and and tell me, where would you think such kind of behavior would be allowed or even appreciated? A frat party. A frat party. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't planning on going there, but... What have we been talking about all morning? Sports, exactly. Like, for instance, look at this. You Packer fans know exactly what halal is, okay? But let me tell you a story in the Bible of what halal looks like when we're praising our God and not a football team. Many of you know this story, but many may not. But this story is about one of the greatest men in all the Old Testament, one of the most important, one of the most celebrated, one of the most famous, most notorious men in all of Jewish history, and his name is King David. Now, King David was, there's really no other way to put this, he was a stud. He just was. Nobody would accuse David of being a weenie. He was a stud. He was a warrior of warriors. He was a leader of leaders. He, he was a man of strength, a man's man. He was just a stud. I cannot wait to meet this guy one day. But David absolutely loved the Lord. With all of his heart, he loved the Lord. And this story happens during King David's lifetime when he was king of Israel. To make a long story short, the Ark of the Covenant, which happened to be kind of representative of God's presence there in the nation of Israel, had been taken by the Philistines. And they had it for I don't know how long, but eventually the Ark was brought back to the city of Jerusalem. Finally, the Ark of the Covenant, God's the symbol of God's presence, was being brought back into the city of David, the city of Jerusalem. And when the Ark of the Covenant entered into Jerusalem, David was so overcome with joy and worship of his God that he began to halal. Let me show you. David, wearing a linen ephod, danced before the Lord with all of his might. While he and the entire house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sounds of trumpets. Okay, those shouts are shabaks. So David danced wearing nothing but an ephod, which is basically the equivalent of underwear. Royal underwear because he was the king. But kind of like, I guess it would be like kind of a sleeveless gown, okay? Just a little white sleeveless gown. David was dancing in his underwear, okay? And I mean, he danced. He danced with all of his might before the Lord. Now, if we didn't know the rest of the story... We might think, well, that's cool, right? I mean, David must have been a pretty sweet little dancer. It must have been looked pretty cool. It must have been well choreographed, like he was up there, you know, <laughs> you know, moving along and all that sort of stuff. But apparently it wasn't. Apparently he looked like an idiot. Because let me show you, verse 16. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, daughter of Saul, pay attention to that. Saul was the previous king watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. She what? She despised him in her heart. When she saw him, she was like, you've got to be kidding me. What an idiot. She despised him in her heart. Now check this out. Verse 20, when David returned home to bless his household, Michal, daughter of Saul, once again it makes that point, came out to meet him and said, well, 
the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, disrobing in the sight of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. It's dripping with sarcasm, in case you didn't know that. You really look good out there, David. I mean, you look like a king. You know, it's kind of like weddings. Um, every once in a while, Sean and I will be able to go to a wedding. I all officiate, and then we go to the reception, and they have a dance. And guys, I love dancing. And I get out there, and I, I mean, I just give her. And the only name I can really think of is like Travolta or something like that. That's kind of <laughs> what I... <laughs> You didn't have to laugh so hard, Jerry, okay? <laughs> At least in my mind, I feel like I'm Travolta, but my wife, she is just thoroughly embarrassed when I get out and dance. And she's just like, Luke, you're a full-grown man, you're a pastor, please don't look like an idiot, and I just embarrass her. And so she's usually trying to get me off the floor. She hates it when I, I hit the dance floor. Well, you know what? Macal is experiencing the very same thing here. She doesn't think it's a good idea for King David to have done this in front of everybody, and, and he just looked like an idiot. So she lays into him. Now, here's what I want you to see. I want you to see how David responds. And David, he's a little snotty to her, this part of it, but we'll see this. David said to Michal, it was before the Lord who incidentally chose me rather than your father or anyone else from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people. I will celebrate before the Lord. I, you know what? I will become even more undignified than this, and I'll be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I'm going to be held in high honor. Now notice that phrase there. You think that was bad? I'll become even more undignified than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. I don't care. I will celebrate the Lord. It is him who I will praise. I don't care what people think of me. He deserves my praise. He deserves my halal. He is God. Isn't that awesome? You see, halal is a form of praise where you just lose yourself in the joy and the sheer emotion of who God is. And when you come to that point in your life, you just don't care about anyone around you. You're just going to praise them regardless. Now, I promise you, there will be people who will judge you. There will be people who will look down on you, just like Michal did to David. There will be people in this room who will. But you know what? You don't care. You will become clamorously foolish in praising your God because you know how amazing God is and you simply want to praise Him. You don't care what anybody else thinks of you. Amen. That's halal. Now, it's time to practice. <laughs> <laughs> we have to get in our underwear, Luke? This is crazy. No. We'll leave that for King David. If he wanted to do that, he can do that. We can stay in our clothes to, to halal. All right, everybody stand up. Kirk and his team are going to lead us now in two more songs, and we're going to be wrapping up the service. But during these songs, guys, I really want you to think about this. Don't think about anyone around you. Don't think about the person standing next to you, standing behind you, before you. Don't care about what they think. You just think about God. Think big thoughts about God. Think about what you are singing. 
And if you want to move to the music, then move to the music. If you want to dance, then dance. If you want to shout, then shout at the top of your lungs. If you want to raise your hands to him, then by all means raise your hands to him. Praise him in all of the postures. And don't worry about being foolish or silly. It's God we're worshiping. And he loves our praises. In fact, he inhabits our praises. He is we're with us today. He's taking center stage. And he is awesome today, just as he was at the beginning of time. He has not changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Forever he is awesome. Amen? Amen. So let's praise him accordingly. Let's halal. Our God is awesome, amen? amen. Woo. You know, if we're going to do this, we can only have one service. Because I am worn out, and I have no voice. At least we burn a lot of calories, right? We need to hurry up and get to the restaurants before the Methodists beat us there and kind of get some energy back. All right. Guys, I know that there are some in our midst right now who you're, you're pretty freaked out. You might be visiting us for the first time going, what kind of church is this? And you know what? If that's you, man, I get it. I understand. But it's good for us to be stepped out of our comfort zone and to realize that our God is a great, amazing, awesome God. And when that kind of hits us, and overwhelms us. Let me tell you, every fiber of our body wants to worship him. And that's why the Hebrew people did what they did, because they knew how awesome God was. I think sometimes we think so highly of ourselves and so little of God. Let's change that. Amen? Amen. Guys, I love you so much. Dance your way out of here, and we'll see you next Sunday. (laughs) 